0: Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala, and I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room so we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Welcome back to the ladies' room. Here we are. Here we are again. And just before we started, I told you I had a new vocabulary word to teach you. So are you excited? I'm a little excited, but I wanted to think of some like word only my dad would ever use and then ask you if that was it. But I really can't. Like, My dad has special phrases like he calls people butt ass, but that's about all I could think of. I think it's extremely unlikely that your dad has ever used this phrase. And if he did, he used it in a completely different context that I'm going to teach it to you in. Okay, I'm I'm um, ready. And now I'm excited. Murder, what murder hobo? Okay, yeah, never heard of that. <laughs> so a murder R- hobo, a murder hobo. So it's it's kind of funny that it came up today, and that's part of why I wanted to talk about it. So Riley runs the D and D club at school. She's the dungeon mm-hmm. master DM, and I picked her up today, and she was a little bit frazzled um and it's partly because their club has grown to 10 kids which is way too many uh, you know that's just too many to run because you have to keep track of all kinds of details and stuff so they're going to split the group into two groups that'll help that but she said plus I have to deal with the murder hobos um and that made me laugh because I knew the term from some of my friends that play D&D but I just love that she actually has However, she soaked it up right through osmosis or researching or watching YouTube or whatever. And it's someone who just kind of wants to go through the game, causing all kinds of just random violent chaos. They're not really interested in playing the game. They just, they're like the kids who just go, you know, you're building Legos and they come and they just like kick the Legos over to This watch is basically now. how I play backgammon with John, because he only has one strategy, which is like, play it really safe. So I, basically play the entire game just to disrupt him and make him throw a little tantrum that's kind of a murder hobo but it would be more like if you flicked pieces off the board it's more like the energy of a murder hobo like they're mean But not really mean but they don't really give a shit about the rest of the game and whether anybody else is having fun they just want to cause chaos Sorry. so like if you were playing with john backgammon and every once in a while you just like took your fingers and flicked one of the pieces flying across the room and then laughed super hard. That's murder hobo energy. I'm thinking about trying that tonight. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you know how it goes next week. You are a murder hobo and I think I'm going to call the podcast <laughs> murder hobos and then you're easy. just a horrible person. Actually it's kind of the perfect name for what we're going to talk about, even though it, it probably loses something in translation. No, but- I, I, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to look up, hold on. I'm going to look up the strict definition of murder hobo. Murder hobo. So while we're looking up definitions, I had to look up the definition of e-commerce today because I was actually not 100% I've heard I think what happened was I've heard that term so often that it's taken on a broader meaning than what it specifically meant in the context it was being used so I had to be I had to go wait, what exactly is e-commerce? So I, I had to get commerce on, on the internet, isn't it? I mean, at this point, nothing is not e-commerce really. I mean, I guess if I'm That's buying why I honey- was really confused. Cause I was like, um, if, if you're a coach and you have an online business, isn't that e-commerce, but I, again, it was how it was being used. So it's okay. It's a, it's a term that was born back when e-commerce was distinct enough to talk about it, but now it's more interesting to talk about, like, I bought some honey from a roadside stand and I, I, Participated in a non e commerce transaction. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So I have the Urban Dictionary authoritative definition of a murder hobo. In a tabletop game, a murder hobo is a player who murders NPCs indiscriminately. This is normally derogatory, referring to a player who totally ignores quests, dialogue, backstory, trade, world building, etc. And here's an example. Uh DM, the sad little orphan girl tugs at Steve's trench coat to get his attention and asks for help saving her pet dog from and Steve says, I'd like to roll a strength check against strangling the orphan. And Dave says, I call dibs on the dog. And the DM says, Your you murder hobos disgust me. So it's not good. You don't want to be a murder hobo. <laughs> it's not, it's not good. No. What are those In- people who are dominatrixes? What are their initials? Because I think I've confused this once or twice in my life where somebody was talking about the game and I thought they were talking about something else you thought they were in like to like um, isn't like it, isn't it BSDM I think I that, don't know that terms out of Vogue now <laughs> now that everything's acceptable this is no longer in Vogue no well, I mean I think there's a more expansive term or something with it I don't know all right well fair enough BS- okay can we talk about either. my problem with Amazon and myself right now? Only if it's not boring. It's short. Well, I okay. just feel like it's almost like a confession. So I was driving home. So somehow in the last month in Salt Lake, there's become a large percentage of things I could get delivered on Amazon, not just overnight, but like the same day. Yeah. So I've been hitting, when I've been hitting the same day pipe for years. I didn't even, I mean, that wasn't even a thing in Salt Lake originally. Like I can order, it started because I ordered a router and I ordered it. And two hours later, it was at my house. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I almost got in my car and went to target or whatever and got a router. And, um, then yesterday I was driving down the street. Now, mind you, we were locked in our house for five days, six days, um, with COVID, you know, we had to quarantine and John was a day later than me. So he, we had six total days. It was fantastic. And then, um, I, you know, door dashed and, online got everything. I mean, we weren't like prepared for it. So it was kind of like, Oh, wow. We don't have anything here. Like we ran out of toilet paper. So oh, it's kind of glorious. You but were like, we were. We were gonna, I was really not prepared. It was like this. old school pandemic for you guys. Yeah. It was like 2020 in the very beginning all over again. So yesterday I was driving home thinking about how much I love online Amazon that will deliver to me the same day and how I didn't know if I really ever wanted to live in a city in the U S that didn't have that again. And then I was like sort of reprimanding myself, but I hate shopping, but I, I feel this real internal conflict because I do think Amazon is clearly becoming like such a giant that there's not a place for there to be competition until there's more disruption. But, um, eventually Amazon, everybody will probably have the feelings about Amazon. We have about Walmart, like it'll have to evolve more positively, but I felt really a little ashamed of myself for that. And I just felt like I needed to confess it. Yeah. They're, they're well known for being abusive now too. They're starting to become abusive. So <sighs> here's my, here's my theory on same day shipping. Um, so way, way, way it's back in, off. in the early days of Amazon, I don't know if you yes. remember this, you had to I, order thir- no, but you told me about it. So because when Amazon was really getting going, I lived in rural Montana, so they didn't focus on Montana, right? And it was mostly books and stuff. So you had to order at least thirty-five dollars to get free free shipping. And then there was a time when they'd say, okay, for thirty-five dollars, you can get two-day shipping. And now there's Prime, which is free two-day shipping. Although in the pandemic, they kind of let the two-day thing slide, but free two-day shipping for any amount. And people like me who are spoiled brats and I'm trying to get better about this <laughs> have been known to order like a single pen refill. I've actually done that because I just pull out my phone and I'm like, I need this. And I just order it. Right. Um, I remember I was talking to someone at work one time and he says, yeah, through the week, I just add stuff to my Amazon cart. And then at the end of the week I take stuff out and then I buy what's in the cart. And I said, I do all of that. except <laughs> the middle step. Like I don't right. understand. And occasionally uh, I have to return something that I might have gotten two of on accident. Yeah. But although I have to say though, like when Riley and Eric get packages at home, it's a legitimately an exciting event. And half the packages that are quote unquote for me are things like dish soap and toilet paper. Yeah. Just like household bullshit. Like my Amazon packages are not really that exciting. They're basically trips to target, which is actually exciting, but anyway, so same day shipping re- is back to the 35 You have to order at least $35. You may not have noticed that because you were ordering a router. No, no, I have noticed that. I have totally, stru- sometimes I save something. I'm like, I can wait to get that tomorrow because if I decide tomorrow I want something, then I'll add this to that. It's become yeah. a whole problem in my head. Yeah. My Amazon cart. Yeah. So, so same day shipping $35 minimum is an attempt to get crazy bitches like me back under control. Um, and they, they also have save it for your Amazon day, but there's no incentive for that other than, I guess, save the environment or whatever. Well, also it's like a dot. You get like a digital credit and I'm like, I don't even know what I I do with that. No, the digital credit is I don't need it right away and I'll take a dollar. And I do that sometimes, but they have a new thing where they're trying to get you like Wednesday's your Amazon day. Do you want to say where it just combines into the most? Yeah, no. I'm like, I, what's in it for me? But sometimes I'll order. Sometimes I, I'm me. trying to get better where okay, I I'll tell money. you what's in it for me. Wait, Hold stop on interrupting fa- me. Okay. Sorry. Is it your new microphone that makes it easier to talk? <laughs> um, oh, no. I'm trying to get better about saving. I a just not very excited about it. I'm sorry. I think you're getting very excited. Um, I'm trying to get better about saving a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And so the other day I saved and I ordered everything all in the same day and it still arrived in four boxes on two different days. So come on, work with me, Amazon. I also have wondered, like, I just ordered and then I remembered something else. Why can't you just combine it? It's all coming on Tuesday. I'm, I don't even really want to know the answer because I could start to imagine, but um,
1: they do I was going to say
0: they do oh, sometimes, like sometimes com- I've, I've never had that happen in my whole life. I think it's because I live, there's a fulfillment center in Phoenix. So I think my Amazon experience is way different from yours. Um, There must be one in Salt Lake. How else can people get same day delivery? It's either in Salt Lake or nearby. Nearby. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, sometimes I'll order something and then I think, oh, I add something and they'll both come in the same box or I'll order two different orders and they come in the same box. That is interesting. Um, I had an experience where something I usually buy on my subscribe and save wasn't available. And I got a really good deal on tar- from Target and they shipped it to me in two days. And I was like, eh, Target, this is pretty great. Maybe somebody will compete with Amazon, but I haven't, it's been like two months. I haven't bought one more thing from Target online. Yeah, my Target's relatively far away. It's not a place I normally go. I mean, right no, now I, I didn't have to go there. It just shipped it to me. No, I, I got, sorry. I had a little conversation with myself in my head about what oh. you said and I didn't let you in on it. So <laughs> I was perfect. <laughs> I interrupt you. You have conversations in your yeah. head. Like if, if, you're going not gonna talk, if you're not going to talk to me, I'm just going to talk to myself. here. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking maybe I could add like a target cart throughout the week and then saying, okay, I'll come and pick this all up, but then I have to make a special trip to Target, which is what I, I lost the ability to want to leave my house. It's interesting because early pandemic, everyone was like, oh my God, I can't wait to get out of here again. Oh, when are we going to be able to get out and do stuff? And now we've been home so long, people are like, I kind of like my slippers and the butt shaped hole in my couch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, don't want to go run errands and stuff. Like I'm like, Oh, I don't have to deal with that. I used to like to, I don't like to anymore. No, I agree with you completely. I just wanted to say that what's in it for me, if I could actually combine everything into one Amazon day is the absolute worst thing about our very cool quote luxury apartment is there are three places we get mail and none of those is our front door. And one is like a parcel pending locker. Fine. You put your code in your crap pops out, but they, there's not enough of those. So most of the stuff goes to a special locker, like a Luxor locker is what they call it. But it's basically just a big room where they just dump off your shit. And then you get a text, you have a package. And I regularly spend like 10 minutes looking for my freaking package. Cause there's you know, 400 or you know, 200 apartments or whatever. And it makes me crazy. So I've kind of had to offload that to John, but if he's not available and I need my package, I have to, it, it is the worst system. I'm like, how did this special experience become something where I just can't get my box at my door? I mean, I can see that they don't want it in the hallway because it could pile up for days. But why they don't have a better system down in that room where there's like a little caged area that's just yours, or enough lockers to say all your stuff is in locker five? Like some, that's some apartments. just like sometimes they sort it by shelf. Like here's all the one hundreds, here's all the two hundreds. But it is never, and I'm very short, and sometimes I can't get on the top shelf to find things. It's, so maybe. If Amazon could get my apartment to agree that that one day a week they would deliver to my door, I would be really motivated. But I think we're a ways off from that. But maybe fast shipping and delivery speeds will just evolve in some way that will not make me as dependent on Amazon. We're talking about drone deliveries. And then I just saw something today about autonomous driving rail cars that might replace semi-trucks. That's interesting. It's all interesting. And I, when I lived in Italy, I never. I don't think I bought a single thing online. May, I, I might have bought one thing online, maybe two, things like I had to ship from the U.S. or whatever. But I survived just fine. But I, I think- was, I was thinking about the instant gratification element of this today. Just today, I literally was thinking because I was. I posted a picture of some of my cool socks that say I identify as a badass. Yes. And like half the women in my r- world are like, where do I get these? Um, <laughs> and one woman was talking about adding it to her spend plan. And I said, oh, I'm sorry if I, you know, I jokingly said, I'm sorry if I put a stumbling block in your way. And she's like, no, I actually enjoy anticipating buying something. And oh I thought, I, I used to be <laughs> like that. I did. I used to I be like that. haven't been like that in so long. I know when I was, um, when I was still single, so it's been a long time since I was like that when I was in my twenties, I sometimes, if this, this is how long ago it was, if there was like a CD I wanted or something, I would intentionally put it off. And I would wait for a day when I like either wanted to reward myself because I was really happy or I felt like shit and wanted a way to comfort myself. And I remember talking to my therapist at the time as one of my coping strategies that I would buy something. And at first she was like, you know, red flag, and she goes, "What do you mean?" And I said, "You know, like a CD or something." She goes, "Oh, okay, that's fine. Like a little treat, not, you know." I go to Nordstrom and I, I max out my card. <laughs> um, and now, if I want something, I literally just pull out my phone and and order it from Amazon right at the same second. Although most of the things I quote want these days, like I said, is like, "Oh, we're out of, we're out of dish soap, or we're out of, you know, whatever." Oh, the tongs broke. Put a pair of kitchen tongs in my cart like that. So that's not really. I don't know if that's instant gratification the same way something I, like a cool pair of socks is. It's more like it is my household It's making me feel dolls. a little less guilty because I am, like you're saying, there are things I would go to Walmart, not Walmart, but like Target or whatever, like I would go out and look for. And that experience of shopping has been way less productive. And I've had to go to, like, I needed a wrench, you know, for the toilet story I told a few weeks ago. Yeah, And I had to go to, I went to Target and then they didn't have a single wrench (laughs) and I had to go to, even in a toolbox that was less than $50, I couldn't buy a wrench. So then I had to go to Walmart. because that was the only option. And that was horrifying. So I certainly wasn't motivated to repeat that. You don't have Lowe's and Home Depot where you live. I mean, I'm in downtown Salt Lake. Those are kind of suburban, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Um, Yeah. That's the thing is like Amazon is a sure thing. I don't have to wonder if target is going to have this in stock. No, they're just, yeah, I know I'm going to get exactly what I want. All right. Well, moving on the end murder hobo. Uh, and murder, hobo podcast complete now for and you wondered tomorrow. if we had enough content for this to be a topic, <laughs> but we're not even talking about the topic. We just <laughs> talked about Amazon and target and wrenches and murder hobos. I know, but now you can talk, we can talk about this for 15 minutes and everybody will leave annoyed as shit and it'll be perfect. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm wasting my life listening to this podcast. Okay. You know what people, uh, I mean, we have such a wide audience, but people tell me that this is the shit they love the best, really? at least, like the riffing and feeling they say, does nobody tell you about what they like about our podcast, Lynn? they like feeling like they're in the room with us. And like part of the conversation, they feel like they're sitting in the ladies room with us. And then people say that they like this way we banter. And then I think the third thing I hear pretty regularly is that people like all my stupid questions. They're like, it's so funny how you ask all the dumb questions. And then Lynn's like calmly answers you. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, yep, that's great. Thank you. So do they like your dumb idiots or my calm answers? I think it's the combination of like, you know, the, that I just say, like, I don't know what you're talking about because you're very smart. And sometimes you say really smart things, but I think, um, a lot of times people are afraid to speak up and ask like, you know, how exactly do you mean e-commerce or whatever? We just talk about what, I mean, we never get offended about it. And it's true. You're never like, are you really dumb? I I never get impatient or condescending with a genuine question that comes from like ignorance plus curiosity, like ignorance in a, in a neutral sense. You're calling like me ignorant I, again, now I'm, no, I'm I mean, just kidding. like, like you're ignorant of a murder ho- hope, what a murder hobo is. And I tell you, you just yes. don't know. Yes. I do get impatient with dumbasses, and I don't know how to That's make a different distinct. issue. Oh it's no. A, I think. I, I think everybody, I mean, it's kind of like the pornography thing. Like, I don't know exactly how to describe that, but I know it when I see it. We right. all know exactly what you mean when you say that. Right. Like if someone asks me a question genuinely in search of knowledge, I'm always happy to answer that question without, I'd love to teach. And so I never, I never want to make someone feel stupid for asking a person asking a question is someone who's looking to expand their knowledge. That's the opposite yeah. of stupid. <laughs> True. all right but it's not That's true that there are no stupid questions there are definitely stupid. oh my questions. gosh there's really stupid questions lots and lots of them okay let's ask wait let's see the next thing <laughs> no I have about our topic. topic okay I tell you one last thing and I'm not going to get into this I was going down a I was taking a break today and I was going down a web hole you know how you do and someone posted this really <laughs> wait, old wait. You, you know how you do or like this is something you do but I know everybody does that. This. You do it. You go where on you just the... click on one thing and the next thing. Yeah. You're just clicking and you're just screwing around and you're just looking, looking, looking. That doesn't so someone... happen to me very often, but no. I don't like to read. So that's part <laughs> of it. That's fair. More. It would be more like if you were just like watching infinite YouTube videos. So someone I got posted. a lot of shit to do. Someone posted a conversation from 2008 on a bodybuilding website where, there was actually an argument over how many days in a in the week there are where no like, yes this one guy was just so adamant like every it was it wasn't it makes it sound like there was two people going back and forth it was basically the whole forum against one stupid asshole because he just kept insisting like a week goes from sunday to sunday they're like no you fucking idiot that's eight days and <laughs> they're all like giving each other calendars and he's like here's week 1 and i go to the gym Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then week two, I go to the gym. No, shoot. shoot. No, Thursday, Saturday. And then week two, I go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And they're like, you fucking dumbass. The Sunday is part <laughs> of your week three. And he was just so adamant. So yeah, somebody like that, I don't have a lot of patience for. <laughs> I think that it's really funny that somebody saved that from 2008. So we can <laughs> enjoy it again. <laughs> I did enjoy it. And what's really interesting is he wasn't asking questions. He was, he just kept adamantly doubling down on his stupid um, take on how many, you don't think it would be a matter of opinion. How many <laughs> days are in the week? <laughs> I love that everything could be a matter of opinion now, right. including like, well, I feel like there's seven, nine days in the week. Well, sorry, I don't care how you feel. That doesn't change reality. I remember a long, long time ago, um, I got pulled into a project that was failing to help it stop failing, mm-hmm. and I was talking to one of their developers, and I said, and I got in trouble for this, and I said it just like <laughs> this. I wasn't yelling or anything. I got in trouble for being mean, and I said, you can't, so when you write code, and then you, it's ready to, to be used, you check it in. It's like kind right. of like a library, right? You check okay. it in. I know about this because you've told me at least seven times. Well, I'm just saying you're not the only person. I'm just I mean, proud maybe that I know what you're talking about. That's why. Maybe you are. I said, you can't check things in that don't run, you know, that, that are full of, that like, it's work. one thing to check in a bug. Everybody does that, but like their stuff literally didn't work at all. I said, you can't check in things that don't work. And she said, well, that's what y'all think but we've been doing it this way. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, she went and told on me and then I got in trouble for being How did you get in trouble? I was so mean, see? Because she had the opinion. You talked in your smooth jazz voice and waved. <laughs> hi, hi, I, hi. I did talk in a very calm voice, although I was like a little flabbergasted how insistent she was that she should be allowed to do it her way but she ended up getting fired and I brought in like 20 more people like me. And so that was fine. But yeah, I'm like, I didn't think this was something we could have an opinion on. Like your code is supposed to work before you check it in. It's fine if it has a bug, everybody does that once in a while but hers didn't work at all. And I actually had a recent experience like that too even more recently where I said, can't do that. Got told, you know, stop being so mean. It's really critical of other people. Stop being so critical. All right, all right, wow, all right, yeah. Okay, so our topic, which you've been dying to talk about, is student loans, right? Yes.
1: Oh man, I mean, I'm trying to take of.
0: off my sweater, and I've got my Smooth Jazz microphone on, and I can't do the. I can't just do. To, the, I mean, just take your pants off. It's. Easier. I'm that at this point that might be okay. I did it. <laughs> okay i did it all right i took some towels out the other day or some i had washed a whole bunch of sheets like we found a whole bunch of old sheets and i washed them all at the same time and they tied themselves into such a complicated set of knots and they were also heavy because they were kind of somewhat wet like this is the worst puzzle ever like i can't this three-dimensional untangling and it's also wet and heavy it was very annoying it's kind of like student Wanda. No, it's nothing like student loan debt. Student loan debt is not tangled sheets and it's not murder hobos. It's wet, heavy, tangled, and totally unfun. I think it's pretty straightforward. That's the thing. It's straightforward usury. (laughs) Usury. All right. You started riffing about this on our last, a few podcasts ago. And I was like, no, because I haven't wanted to discuss it in more detail. So now we get to riff on it. Okay. So. One of the, one of the conversations happening right now in the country is about canceling student loan debt, right? Everybody knows that. Infuriates me. It's so weird that it infuriates you. Why, Um, why is that weird? Because I, when I, I mean, I didn't go to, I went to college a little bit, but I paid all my freaking tuition each semester. And I worked my ass off to do that. And it infuriates me that all these little twits who like fucked around in school and didn't work their way through school. Like now it's like, well, I don't want to have to pay back that debt. And I do understand your other side of it, but it does infuriate me because I think the, for me, it points to the level of personal responsibility has gone down so much. And that is what infuriates me. So I understand it where it infuriates you, but you're arguing with I mean, I don't have all the data, but you're arguing basically against a straw man because that's not the student loan crisis. The student loan crisis is like, uh oh, I have to cough. Hold on. Okay. I have recovered. Now I have a cough drop and I think we're going to be fine. So okay. your story is people borrowed a bunch of money and they don't want to pay it back. But what's actually happening in reality And what people are asking for relief of is people people borrowed money, paid back amounts equal to the principal and beyond, and owe more than they borrowed. So they they and this is including like professionals like doctors, lawyers. So they let's say they borrowed sixty thousand, and these are real examples. They borrowed sixty thousand dollars. They've paid back like seventy five thousand dollars, and they owe eighty. Like, it's just outrageous. Like, the terms of these loans are so predatory, and the way they set them up is they're really designed so that people will have to pay on them the, their entire life without ever paying them off. Okay. It's I a, have a question. Pause. All right. I believe absolutely that there are loans like that. But are you proposing that the majority of people who are in their twenties and thirties who don't want to have to repay student loan debt are in that particular conversation. So most of the people who are asking for this relief are in their thirties, forties. Cause the people I hear talking the loudest in my world about student loan debt are in their twenties, maybe their early thirties. That's still a really long time. That's like a loan you've been paying on for 10 years. So most of what's being talked about Is if there is relief, it's for people who have basically paid back what they borrowed, but it all went to these interest terms that would never pass muster if they were like a credit card or something. But we're fine for student loans because most of my, I'm, I mean, I'm glad we're talking this through because most of my experience with student loans is that they have a very low percent, a very low interest rate. And they also, um, I mean, the only experience I have with student loans are two of my, ex-hus- my ex-husband and my, two of my ex-husbands, my ex-husband and my current husband, who was finishing the last of his payments when we met in his forties, but he took like 15 years to go to college. So it's roughly probably had student loans for, he probably had student loans for 20 years. So um but also, how many times people put them on deferment and all those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, like the typical things that make problems. But I think a conversation around predatory practices and dealing with that is different than I took a loan, and maybe I was young and I wasn't informed or I was too young to have to be responsible for that. And now it's a burden. So I got what I got, but I don't think I should have to contribute anything back for it. And that conversation, which I have heard often infuriates me. See, I think that's a pretty extreme version of the conversation that's actually happening in the student loan relief. So there's like two things happening here. One is the terms of student loans, a lot of them, um, were predatory given to 18 year olds on terms that would be almost impossible to pay back i mean when you look at a professional that's paid tens of, that has paid everything that they borrowed and then some and they somehow owe more than they borrow like what the fuck can <clears> you link of, these in um like some of these examples in our show notes probably not because i've been just gathering them here and there in these Ugh. i mean if Fine. you want to go find them um you no know i don't I know you don't. And I don't either. So people can go do your own research. I'm going to do, I'm not talking to you, I'm but talking I am to So like, I don't know how valid this is. Go do your but own. But I'm skeptical. Humor. That's fine. You can be skeptical. You just said that you have two examples, two counterexamples to what I'm talking about. I continue. So that's one of it. The loans themselves are part of it, but my opinion is a larger part of it is that the cost of college has outpaced like any other, in, not any other, because housing is also really terrible right now, but has gone up way out of proportion to the value that they provide. And, and I want to say I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Like you wondered if we could talk about this for all podcasts. And I was like, we have obsessively talked about this for hours ourselves, because this is one of those like conversations that is the at the heart of exactly the problem? Right. So I love this example, please. So, so this is how I look at it. So say, like, let's take people out of it, right? Let's just take people totally out of it. Although I don't know if I'm going to be able to think of an analogy. My brain isn't working very well today. <laughs> well, the institution of college. Yeah, I went into Starbucks and I had a really difficult time ordering today. And I was like, I don't know why I can't get these words out. This is the same thing. I always order and I can't manage it. And the barista was laughing. She was very nice. She's like, anyway, usually you use that Starbucks app thing. I, I usually order, like, I think there's like no pressure, right? I can just sit there and order very carefully. <laughs> right. Um, but the thing is, is I love that sugar cookie one. Mm-hmm. And the Christmas that, one. Yeah. That uses a blonde. I didn't know they still had it. So thankfully I I went in and I said, what holiday stuff do you still have? That uses a blonde and blonde and decaf is the same option on the um, app. So there's no way in the app to change it over to a decaf. Okay. Like I managed to do it once by just like ordering a decaf latte and adding, changing the milk over to almond milk and using the sugar cookie syrup. I'm like, there, that'll do it. But um, anyway, so... Okay, I'm going to still talk about people, but I'm going to be really abstract about it. So you have a human being. But you didn't finish the Starbucks story, even though I knew the Starbucks story. I thought, oh, no, I I I was just talking about how you can't order. I was talking about how you can't order that on the app. But I was in the store, and I ordered a decaf, and they still made it wrong. But that that wasn't the story. The point was, I couldn't order that on the app, even if I wanted to. So you have a human being, and they have, um, like, let's picture, like, human being, high school diploma, I'm going to use really dumb numbers. Their earnings over a lifetime is say a million dollars. Like, I don't know if that's true. I don't care. I'm just using these as like, right. We're just making a point. Yes. Yeah. Just to make the math easy in my head. So let's say their earnings over their whole lifetime, let's say a half a million. So you've got a high school diploma. You're going to earn a half a million dollars over your lifetime. You take that same person, you apply a college education to them. Assume like a decent one, not underwater basket weaving or anything and not like, you know, some really exclusive Political physics, whatever. Yes. So you apply education to them. And let's say that that like five times their earnings. So now they're going to earn 2.5 million over the course of their life. I don't think these mm-hmm. numbers are right, but whatever. They're so not five, remotely right. But yes, no. that's not, five, we're just addressing that. Now you have a two 000, $2 million value created yeah. by... Going to college. Right. So, over the course of that person's whole lifetime, their output is now worth $2 million more than it would have been. Actually, right. these numbers are like ridiculously exploded. So, let me take them all back. Let's say that the person, no, never mind. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to keep them. The way they are. So, we've created like $2 million in value, right? And it used to be that college priced their tuition according to basically like the cost of delivering the service. Like, here's a college education. This is what our institution costs. This is the cost of the facility. This is what we pay your professors. You know, this is the cost of providing some scholarships for underserved people, blah, 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 blah. Your cost for college is $10,000 a year, $40,000 to go to college, let's say. It used to be not even that much. Let's say 5,000 a year, 20,000 to go to college. That's less than even I paid, but let's just say. So $20,000 gets you a $2 million return on your investment. It's a really good investment, right? Mm -hmm. Even though my numbers are bullshit. What I think is, and this is just me speculating, is that colleges and student loan providers, which includes the federal government, looked at that $2 million and said, I actually want a piece on the return of this product, not the product itself. Like, I'm not just going to sell you the product, the $20,000 education. I now want a larger piece of that $2 million. So the colleges extract their piece upfront. College now is like, I don't even know, like a hundred thousand, something like that, 80 or a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. It's gone way up. Um, and so they're taking a lot more upfront. So like, yeah, this person is going to be able to pay for this through loans. And the greater cost, or the greater value of their labor later, I'm going to take a bigger piece of that up front, because the value of what they're producing in the education hasn't changed. Like the $2 million that you make, that's different. That hasn't really changed. And then the loan providers also were like, how can I set up the terms of this loan in such a way that I basically, ju- I've been watching a lot of Sopranos, so that I basically juice this person for the rest of their whole life. Like the terms really are set up. To make them very difficult to be paid off they can't be discharged in bankruptcy which is really interesting like the government always stacks mm-hmm, the deck wins. in its own favor like like you're innocent until proven guilty everywhere in the whole world except with the or everywhere in the whole country except with the irs right like if the irs said you did something you have to prove you didn't and also there's this is getting into another piece but there's also asset seizure laws where the government can just go I'm pretty sure that you bought this house with um, illegal assets. So I'm just gonna go ahead and take it. And then we're gonna, you're gonna have to prove that you didn't to get it back. So by not allowing federal student loans to be discharged in bankruptcy, they're kind of like lining their own pockets. So I think that's a big piece of what's going on and why the terms, because I took some student loans for my graduate degree and the terms of my student loans, We're nowhere near as crazy as the terms of the loans that are being offered now to 18 year old kids. Okay. So I have two things to interject. One is I, I have looked up some of these statistics and part of what's difficult is looking at this is there's, it's really hard to find projections. So, I mean, you went to college 20 years ago, right? So when we're looking at current data from more, the department of labor about the value of different types of degrees over time, it's factoring in a lot that's changed. And I would love to see some real data. And I, I couldn't, when I was just Googling around before we talked about this, um, of those projections today, because I think. Because of changes in technology and the labor market and all kinds of things that a call and how and and the quality of education being delivered, irrelevant of the price, the value of a college degrees gone down compared to somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't have one. In my opinion, I mean, well, I don't, there, I don't, need, can't even really all- probably back that up. I could just argue it. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, this is just me listening, right? This isn't me. I'm not a scholar. I didn't research this. This is just something I've been listening to. There's also two other things that fit into what you're talking about. One, the quality of a high school education has gone way down so that there are some college degrees that are now yes. only as good as, high as school, a high school as, degree. Yeah. And there was a time when um, uh, employers like in the 70s, they used to give um, entrance exams and IQ tests and stuff, which super problematic. Don't, don't get me wrong. But when they were not allowed to do that legally anymore, they started taking college education as a proxy. So it became kind of a ticket that you had to punch to prove that you were smart. Right. So, but speaking to the, the value of the degrees, here's another element that I think is super funny. The way that somebody put this is that there are some degrees that are basically pyramid schemes, because the only thing that you can get, the only thing that you can do with certain degrees is go into academia. And the best way to um, secure a good position and continue to advance in academia is to get more kids to go into your field. That can only get a good right. job in academia. It's like it's literally a pyramid scheme at that point, right? Yeah, you're getting paid to get more kids to take underwater basket weaving, and the African only studies. career hmm? I said African studies. That no, don't don't pull that in because that that is the standard trope but that's actually becoming a very relevant, um, skill. Like as the only two people I know who have a degree in African studies of any kind are both PhDs. And one teaches like a couple days a week at college and works the other time at the hardware store and lives like at a family friend's house, sort of maintaining it. And then the other one, just teaches so i that's where i was taking oh that I, from. See, I was gonna say really anecdotal yeah because now um as companies this is of course i don't want to there's that. a connection to business things change really dramatically well and as companies try to diversify and as we start to have these conversations about inclusivity and um breaking down systemic racism like but i mean it depends too on what you again it all comes down to the quality because if African studies was just some degree, I, I hate using that as an example because it's so charged in other reasons, I'm sorry, but Demi. if that was just a degree, just for like the optics of it, and it doesn't really get into like, we're going to study what systemic racism means in African, African-American communities. And we're gonna study the economics of it. We're gonna study the politics of it. Like, No, no I, I was qu- literally referring to people who like studied the continent of Africa currently. Oh, I see. Like yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I mean, that's kind of like being any kind of history major, right? I, the, I, I, I know people who are history yeah. majors who, you know, <laughs> do, they, they got the degree just for the critical thinking element of it. And I think too, um, it's interesting because it's speaking to the quality of the education, college education used to be a way to make yourself classically educated where you're exposed to a wide range of thinkers and you you develop the ability to have a critical argument and speak cohesively and read and write and all the other things. And now it's like, you can go to college and get basically a STEM trade degree, or you can get some kind of bullshit watered down degree. And there isn't like, I mean, I went to college, not quite 30 years ago, 25 years ago, let's say. And even then there was a core curriculum that I had to study. Um, that no matter what degree you were going in, you had like a classic liberal arts education folded into your degree. And I don't think that's true anymore. I could be wrong. I can't tell you like how many times I've talked to, well, I probably told you and many times, but like somebody who's gone to Harvard Business School or Columbia Business School or gotten a graduate degree in business from UCLA, and they do not know anything about business and how business actually works and operates and that is horrifying like I've been in so many conversations where people are like oh good let me ask you for advice and I'm like yeah 20 years of any kind of experience in the business world is probably better than almost any degree in the business world it's funny because I um I was working with someone at my last job who got his MBA at Harvard Business (laughs) School and um And he was very smart, sharp guy. Very smart. Yeah. And I have to say one in, in support of what you're saying and one that I think they're doing really right. So the thing that I think they're doing really right is um, they spent a lot of time on emotional intelligence topics, like EQ type stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they even put them all these high achieving ENTJs. And I say that as myself an ENTJ, all these high achieving ENTJs in a group and like let their, their competitive like cutthroat nature come out. And then we're like, surprise, this was about how well you work with others. <laughs> like watch them all crumble. <laughs> right. And he shared some of those stories and they were pretty funny. But the other thing, which is in support of what you're saying is every once in a while when something came up in business, I'm like, we should do either this or this. And he's like, Oh yeah, I took a class in that. I'm like, yeah. And I fucking lived through it for 18 months. So <laughs> Right. I am I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you had a little <laughs> seminar. Um but there at least in, right, that you could reach back and remember like World War II. Yeah, at least in the MBA, um, at least in the MBA program, they use a lot of case studies and they bring a lot of business people in. And they started focusing more on those like interpersonal team systemic thinking type skills. Um, but yeah, it's, it's partly the two that the quality has just gone way down. I sound like an old lady now, but in my day, you had, I do think the quality has gone down, but I I'm saying too, like, there's not a lot of great research about, um, the value of a current education, because we're like, if you sit down with somebody who's selling you on a college loan or a college administrator selling your family on the value of going to college. I mean, I just looked at one from Northern yesterday. Like they're like, well, you make $30,000 more over the course of whatever. And they were using, you know, just statistics that I could reference from the department of labor, but I'm also like, yeah, but those are also people who studied 20 years ago who are working and producing that difference now. Yeah, I absolutely don't think that's what we're seeing to the same degree from people working currently. Yeah. They're not getting the same return on their investment. And, and there's a lot of talk about holding colleges feet to the fire on producing that return on the investment. Cause they kind of don't have, they don't really care. And then I told you, I, well, I didn't tell you, you told me to research this and I didn't do it, but I read an article and I think it was the <laughs> wall street journal where there's now, um, gosh, it's like almost a dozen around a dozen Ivy league-ish um, colleges who were just caught colluding with between each other, which they're allowed to do. Um, but, but not if it includes financial aid and they were doing it to try to make sure that they got students who weren't going to need financial aid, who were going to pay the full tuition bill. And they were colluding between each other to like change their algorithm or whatever, to like, to basically kick out kids who are going to be on scholarships. Um, and that is illegal. And I'm like, yeah, this is all just a game. To produce profit right. and you know these big universities sitting on um huge endowments and like i was actually yeah. kind of shocked that a lot of the colleges had the the balls to charge their full price for online learning oh yeah so many colleges do that i think every one of them did um yeah. so there's a lot there's a lot there and it so much of it is like what we just say over and over again which is our people looking to extract value out of a system that doesn't belong to them. The value doesn't belong to them, not the system. Right. And the institution of college in general, for sure has not taken responsibility for producing the value. They've taken responsibility for maintaining the, I don't know the behemoth of higher level education and developing Mm -hmm. it and selling it, whatever, but they haven't focused on value. And when you switch it around that, as we always talk about is at the heart of a problem. Yeah. They don't even really care about graduation rates, let alone what you do. I mean, they care a little bit because they use that in their marketing, but there's big, um, research institutions that admit tons of, um, graduate students knowing that they're going to chew through half of them because they need the, um, teaching assistants in that first year, they basically work for nothing. Like I, I started graduate school, um, and I didn't even last the semester. I hated it so much. Um, and you, you're well at the time, again, it was 25 years ago, but the stipend was like 15 grand for the whole year. And, um, you basically taught a whole bunch of classes and that's really inexpensive labor for the university. And then when things get like the rubber meets the road, they, purge out like half those people they know they're going to flame out and they don't care they just want that huge body of kids to choose from to do the teaching assistant stuff yeah and I think college like everybody can relate to you know and look at it and think gosh this is really but we all are I think so many of us are still participating in this model and I mean you and I could riff for hours about what could work better and how other things should get developed and all the bureaucracy and bullshit and systems that keep supporting these shitty systems. Like I would a hundred, I mean, anybody listening to this would say, I would rather have a doctor who shattered another doc, who shadowed another doctor or multiple other doctors for, but I'd rather go to a family doc or a surgeon or anybody else but for sure, like family doc, basic, I won't get that elaborate with surgeons and all that stuff they have to study, but I'd way rather have a family doc who, you know, followed around another family for doc for fit, at least 50% of their time for five years yeah. and then skipped all the rest of the bullshit. They would My be a sis- way better doctor, but we aren't developing people like that. We send them to school, take out $300,000 in loans. It's bullshit. My sister went to um, a nursing school rather than college. Right. And they had a, um, th- and they don't exist anymore because of course they don't. Um, and they well, had a, because of all the bullshit. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: They had an um, agreement
0: with a local university. Um, so she took a lot of her classes, like she took biology and chemistry, right. all the things she needed at the university. And then her nursing experience, they went year round. I can't remember how long it was. It was just short of two years, but they went year round, you know, through the summer and everything. And it was almost all clinical experience. So, yeah. um, she finished her nursing degree and just under, I think it was 18 months. It might've been 19 or 20, some weird number. Um, but she finished her nursing degree, n- not degree. It was a certificate, um, right. passed her boards and then walked into a hospital with almost two years of experience as a nurse. And she right. said, now we get these new grads. They're four year degrees and they have zero clinical hours, zero, um, or maybe, you know, 10 or 20 from when they were seniors, but she was like working almost full-time as a nurse, not obviously not as a nurse, but like shadowing a nurse doing, you know, right now you can change sheets, but next week you'll be able to do an IV, like that kind of thing. Um, and I would much rather have that nurse. Right. <laughs> You're reading my text. I'm not reading your to- text. They're ping just you. coming oh, did in. you hear I'm me not- ping you? Hey Lynn, I'm pinging you also in the middle of our podcast because (laughs) I told John we'd be done at seven and he's been waiting. And I just wanted you to know that we can't talk for 10 more minutes because he'll lose his mind. (laughs) I will tell you that I also texted Eric and said, take your shower first. I'll be out in a minute to finish the short ribs. (laughs) We have to go on with eating dinner because it's sushi night. (laughs) And this is, this is the work of women, right? Like we're running our businesses and we're also making sure our husbands are fed at the same time. Well, in, in all fairness, I'm mostly making sure my husband drives me to the sushi restaurant. So I can't pretend that this was really about John because earlier today, he was like, I'm going to have dinner ready when you get home. And I was like, just pick me up at seven and take me to sushi. See, so I we should have done that. Well, Eric, this is the night that Eric goes to the gym. So he gets home kind of late, but um, I put short ribs in the instant pot and Bobcha dropped off pierogi. So okay. I'm going to go out there and fry up some of those pierogi so and have some leftover veggies. I'm very excited. Well, I'm jealous of your sushi. You can be jealous of my potatoes wrapped in dough. I mean, everybody should be able to have Bob just pierogi. They're amazing. All right. Well, All that's right, a so- on our ribs, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> any last last thoughts since we, you interrupted? You're so interrupty with your new... I might have to take your smooth jazz microphone away because it's making you sassy. Um, I don't know why it's you so interrupted microphone you interrupted even yourself to say John so what was your <laughs> last thought that you were in the middle of before you texted me and it the sound made it onto the podcast no I was listening to it and I was like oh it's pinging and then I felt bad I don't know well anyway so I guess my last the- thought before I texted you was just what I said that like the systems are layered on top of bureaucracy, on top of legislation, on top of insurance, on top of, you know, like what it will take to let's take nursing and say we could make that a one-year program and really deliver an incredible amount of value and what's needed to be learned in a year, um, which I'm sure somebody could create or two years or whatever. We could make it half the time. I think it will be, you would have to prove it out. Same with doctors, same with anything that's then insured you would have to take studies improve it you'd have to take multiple people's lives and research over time and like nobody wants to take that on no no because and also because there's no money in it that i was gonna say and there's no real payoff for unraveling the bureaucracy but it's gonna it's gonna tear the country apart yeah. if we don't or it already is I was going to (laughs) say that's really depressing don't you have a story about pierogi to wrap this up no but I did see someone make a like a funny dark humor comment um where he said I wonder if people in the fall of Rome got as detached as I am because I look at stuff happening in the U.S. and think huh I guess that's the kind of stuff that happens to empires. Well, it's time to go to the store. <laughs> like you're living inside yeah. it and you're watching it happen. Like I remember um, a few years ago, I was like, I wonder what it was like to live in the 30s. And then the universe was like, Here you go. I'm like, No, I didn't <laughs> want it. Actually, I don't really want to know. Yeah, it's alarming. Um, but I, I, I take the tack of hopefulness um, that empires do fall and things get rebuilt on top of them and. Sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse. And I take the tack of hopefulness that I believe that we can figure this out, that we've never been more connected, that we've never had more resources. We've never been wealthier. Like we're an incredibly wealthy country. Um, because of the murder hobos re, re, like taking value that doesn't belong to them, there's problems. but they're, the, and I exists. think the way we can tear and re, like the things that have to be torn down or will be in the process. Like they, You can just step outside of institutions and rebuild so quickly what it took 100 years to build. You can innovate it so quickly with technology that I am hopeful that we can make those leaps in innovation and collaboration that it'll take to do that in a way that we'll even be able to see in our lifetime. Yeah, I think the uh, pandemic has accelerated a lot of that. Our, the infrastructure we have for collaboration now yeah, would have taken at least a decade to build. Yeah, that's great. All right. So there's a more hopeful note. Thanks for pulling it out of the toilet, Lynn. Always. (laughs) I fished it out of the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That that, that was just some reason I just pictured you fishing (laughs) it out of the toilet. And then me being like, you did it again. Like, (laughs) yay. (laughs) Once again, I fished something out of the toilet in the ladies room. Like, oh, my AirPods case fell in the pee. (laughs) all right on that note we'll see you next time in the ladies room Ciao. thanks for joining us be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room you can also find lynn at a spacious life on facebook instagram and in clubhouse and find ally at 5 billion entrepreneurs on linkedin and instagram